0: Chapter Nine of *The Man with the Black Cord* by Augusta Groener, translated by Grace Isabel Cobron. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mueller visits Eva Geringer. Mueller's intention was to utilize this day in searching for Eva. He went to his own house first to ask Mrs. Tunner whether she knew anything that would aid him in this matter, as well as in the mystery of the missing twenty thousand crowns. It certainly was strange that the miserly old man who, as Dr. Maximov said, wept in emotion at his own generosity when he gave a beggar a copper piece, should have sent this Eva twenty crowns every month. His heart had opened to her, it seemed. Mueller wanted to see this Eva personally to find out whether the larger sum, the twenty thousand crowns, might have found their way to her also. Even the most miserly of elderly bachelors are generous sometimes, or have to be when it is a case of preserving their reputation. Mrs. Tunner was overjoyed to see her employer. He set her mind at rest at once by a good report as to her son's welfare and present conduct. Then he proceeded to the matter in hand. "'Do you know anything about a woman by the name of Eva who stood in some relation to Erlock? "'No.' "'And do you not know that he sent money away the first of every month?' "'I didn't know it happened every month.' but once, about a year ago, I had to go to the post office with it myself and make out the money order. "'Do you remember the name?' "'No, I scarcely even looked at it and forgot it immediately. Mr. Erlock was sick, which gave me a great deal more work than usual, and just at that time I was particularly worried about Carl. I hadn't head for anything except my most necessary duties.' "'Too bad. Do you remember what month it was?' "'Yes, I remember that. It was in October.' "'Well, it will be easy to find the address at the Inzerstorf post-office. "'Don't worry about cooking dinner for me. "'I'm going right out again.' "'Oh, I just thought of something,' said Mrs. Tunner. Mueller had already started to leave the room, but he turned back and sat down again, looking inquiringly at her. "'Mr. Erlock was quite well again before Christmas "'and asked me to go to the city with him one day,' began the woman. "'He said he wanted new underwear, and he was afraid to buy it alone "'for fear he would be cheated.' and from something that happened I believe he had a secret errand, which was the main reason for his going to the city. Tell me. It may be of importance. The first thing I noticed was that he didn't take his own carriage to go to the city as usual. We went in the train instead and took a cab at the station. He left me at the store where I was to buy the underwear and told me that he had some errands in a distant part of the city. He would be back in an hour, and I was to wait for him in front of the shop. I finished my errand in about twenty minutes— and as the day was pleasant I took a little walk down the street. A block or two beyond I passed a bar-room, out of which a boy was bringing a glass of beer for a driver whose turnout stood in front of the door. By merest chance I glanced that way and recognized the cab and driver as the same that had brought us from the station, and with which Mr. Urlock had driven into the city. I was alarmed at this, and asked the cabman whether anything had happened to the gentleman. I thought Mr. Urlock might have been taken ill and gone in somewhere, but the cabman, who was already in a jovial mood, laughed at my question and answered, "'Oh, no. He didn't want to go across the city at all. As soon as you'd gone into the shop, he told me to drive to 5 Linden Street, and sent me up three flights with a package, while he stayed down and watched the horse. The package was for a lady up there. The man remembered the name and told it to me. The first name, I think, was Eva. The second, I know, was Geringer. "'Why are you so sure of that?' "'Because I have relatives of the same name.' that was why i remembered eva geringer number five linden street third floor Mueller wrote it down in his notebook let us hope it's the same eva now tell me more what happened after that i waited in front of the shop and mr erlock arrived on time walking from the direction in which he had driven off before he said he had just dismissed his cab as he thought the little walk would do him good so we went on foot for a little way and then mr erlock looked at his watch and said we would have to take a cab or we would miss the train As we drove to the station, he was most unusually talkative, telling me all sorts of things he had done in the quarter of the town in which he was supposed to have been. I wondered at all this secrecy, because he was certainly his own master to do whatever he liked. "'Was it a large package?' asked Mueller. Mrs. Tunner did not think it was, because she had not noticed her companion carrying anything. The package must have been in his coat-pocket. An hour later Mueller's carriage stood before the house in Linden Street— and he himself mounted the stairs to the third floor. On one of the many doors on this landing he saw the name of the woman he sought. He knocked at the door, and it was opened by an elderly woman, poorly but neatly clad. Mueller inquired whether Miss Gerringer was at home. The woman smiled sadly and answered, "'Oh, yes, she is at home.' "'May I speak to her?' he asked again. And again the woman answered with sadness in her face and voice, "'Yes, you can see her today.' "'Evidently the young lady is not always in the mood to receive visitors,' thought Mueller, as he entered the small, dark vestibule. The whole look of the place was totally different from what he expected, and when the woman went off to announce him, he looked about carefully. Signs of poverty were everywhere, but poverty combined with exquisite neatness and the ability to make the best of every little thing. The tiny little kitchen into which the vestibule opened was bright and cheery, and as well as the hall was spotlessly clean.' Will you please come in, sir? said the woman, returning and holding the door open. Mueller entered a small, sunny room furnished with the greatest possible simplicity, but cozy and homelike in spite of it. In front of the window was a large table, and beside it a great soft armchair. In the chair sat a thin, faded little woman whose face seemed shrunken with its many wrinkles. Only the great gray eyes still showed signs of life and traces of former prettiness. "'You are Miss Garringer? asked Muller, bowing. "'I see you are not feeling well to-day, and I am afraid I have disturbed you. Shall I not come some other time?' "'I have not been well for thirty years, sir,' answered the lady, with a gentle smile in which was a hint of roguishness. "'And I hardly think you will care to wait until I am well again. So if there is anything that you have to say to me, Mr—' "'My name is Muller.' "'Then will you please take a seat, Mr. Muller, and tell me what it is?' The other woman brought up a second chair to the table, and Mueller sat down in it. On the table were heaps of materials and instruments for making artificial flowers. Miss Geringer laid aside the rose she had just finished, and folded her delicately shaped hands wearily in her lap. The other woman left the room. Mueller was still dazed from the unexpected adventure. The Eva he had thought to find was something very different. Without knowing why, he had half expected to see a pretty young woman possibly of doubtful reputation, and now he found himself sitting opposite an elderly invalid of the utmost respectability. He pulled himself together, readjusted himself to his surroundings, and explained the reason for his visit. He introduced himself as a friend of Leopold Erlock and asked permission to put several important questions to the lady. The mention of Erlock's name threw Miss Garinger into considerable excitement oh don't they know anything about him yet she exclaimed clasping her hands is he dead has he been murdered you know then asked muller she nodded i saw it in the papers a kind neighbour brought me she said i know that leo that mr erlock has disappeared most inexplicably from his house or has been taken away from there leo that sounds rather intimate thought muller and quite different from the formality of her letters but what he said aloud was "'Mr. Erlock has not yet been found, but this conversation is fatiguing you. Is there anything I can do for you?' "'No, thank you,' she murmured, straightening up again in her cushions. "'I must try and control myself. You think there is anything I can tell you about Mr. Erlock? "'Yes, I think there is.' "'You mean something that has to do with his disappearance?' "'Possibly. From letters that were found in his desk, we discovered that he corresponded with you.' "'They found my letters? Only my letters of thanks?' or should he still have kept the others a delicate rose flush illumined the faded cheeks and a soft smile curved the pale lips muller saw during this smile that the fragile invalid still had very beautiful teeth he answered gently the only letters that were found were those dated during the past year there were a number of bundles of older letters there but they were not examined miss Scarringer's face was pale and still as before he sent me twenty crowns each month "'since August of the previous year,' she said softly. "'It was an alms, but it came with a few kind words each time, "'and I was obliged to accept it, for I can do very little work now, "'and we would have gone hungry many a day, but for that.' "'Her voice trembled, and she put her hand to her eyes. "'Then she continued in growing excitement. "'My sister sews for a large shop, and rents the best room in our flat. "'I, as you see, make these flowers.' We manage to get along somehow, but if we have to pay the doctor and the apothecary, it goes hard with us. I have been helpless for many years, and I know that of course I could find a place in the home for incurables, but I shudder at the thought, and my sister knows what it would mean to me to have to go there. She is too good to send me to such a place, although people tell her that she is foolish to have to work so hard just to keep me here. Is it not my duty, therefore, to accept this charity which makes things a little easier for her? "'Dear lady, please don't excite yourself. I'm afraid it will be bad for you,' said Mueller sympathetically. "'Why should you not take the help that was offered you? We were only surprised that Erlock should have been so charitable. How did it happen that he opened his heart to you, and you alone?' The old lady wiped the tears from her eyes and said in a firmer tone, "'Oh, yes, you do not know then in what relation we stood to one another. I was engaged to him thirty years ago.' "'Ah, indeed!' "'and yet they say that there was no woman in his life.' "'I am telling you the truth, and have letters to prove it. "'I am still, as you see, wearing the ring he gave me in an unforgettable hour. Erlock was then a warm-hearted, sincere man, though he changed, sadly, later. "'I was poor. "'He found a richer and more beautiful woman who claimed his interest. "'When I saw that his heart turned to her, I broke our engagement myself.' "'But he did not marry the other woman?' "'No.' said Miss Geringer, with a bitter smile. He was ready to marry her, but she found someone else who had more money than he, and whom she liked better. He came back to me then, but I would not have him. We were both sentimental in those days, though, and we did not give back our letters, nor the rings we had exchanged. And so, you see, I'm old-fashioned enough to still keep his letters, but they won't do you any good in your investigation, for the Urlock who wrote those letters is long since dead.' But how do you know that if you haven't seen him for so long? I heard indirectly through people who live in his neighborhood that he had become hard and narrow minded, making no friends and seeking none. Yes, that seems to have been the case. In the same way, without any desire of mine, news of our situation came to his ears, and he has been sending me this money ever since. She sat staring out into the room, her hands pressed close together, and great tears rolling unhindered down her cheeks. Muller understood now why her letters of thanks had been so cold and formal. It must have been very hard for her to take this money from the man whose wife she was to have been. But she had had to take it, for hunger is painful, and still more terrible was her dread of the home for incurables with all its surroundings of hopeless misery. And Erlock's pettiness of heart and mind was shown clearly by this meagre gift, which out of his plenty he had sent to the woman he once had loved probably he wept at his own generosity every time he sent the money thought muller a feeling of utter contempt in his heart for the man in whose interest he was busying himself he felt nothing but sincerest pity for miss geringer he could understand what her life had been the last thirty years in sickness and poverty his face showed his feeling so clearly that the invalid's great soft eyes grew bright again and she held out her frail little hand to him what will you think of me she said here you come to me a total stranger and in less than half an hour i have told you things that very few know we're like steam-engines dear lady replied muller with a smile of encouragement we have to open the valve sometimes you know need i assure you of my sympathy for you no i think i can feel it without words your visit is an oasis of brightness in the dreary loneliness of my life i am only sorry for the sad reason of it and i am sorry that i have so little to tell you "'that would be of any good for the investigation. "'Erlock has never been here?' "'No. "'It was my wish that he should never come. "'Even the most unfortunate of us "'has still a touch of vanity left, "'and I could not bear the thought "'that he should see me as I am now.' "'Then I have annoyed you quite uselessly,' "'said Muller, rising from his chair. Frulein Geringer straightened up. "'Oh, I have thought of something,' she said. "'He sent me an extra present last Christmas. "'It was a reminder of old times, "'and therefore very dear to me.' He had remembered that in those days I was particularly fond of miniatures. Also, he remembered that in those days I was said to look something like the Emperor Josephine, with the exception of my eyes. And of your teeth, said Mueller, smiling. The Empress is said to have had very bad teeth, you know. Miss Geringer flushed again, but she continued. When we were engaged, Erlock showed me a charming little miniature of the Empress and one of Napoleon. He had bought them from the collection of a French nobleman. They are pretty pictures and oddly framed. Last Christmas he sent me the picture of the Empress and a silk scarf of antique design. There was a letter with the present. I will show them all to you. She touched a little bell on her desk, and when her sister came in, Eva caught at her hand and said, Here, Mr. Mueller, is the best sister that ever lived. She has kept me with her and made a home for me in spite of everything. I am afraid now that I will have to go to the asylum after all. Dear little stupid— "'said the other woman, touching the invalid's hair gently. "'Then turning to Mueller with a look of distrust, she continued, "'Do you come from there? "'I know Eva's been writing to the asylum without letting me know, "'but I tell you now she shall not go. "'She's to stay here with me. "'I'll make it possible somehow.' "'No, indeed,' said Mueller with a friendly smile "'into the eyes of the agitated woman. "'Miss Eva shall stay right on here, "'and I have a feeling that things will be a little easier for you now. "'But I must be going home.' may i see the presents eva opened the box her sister brought out in it lay a carefully folded silk scarf the miniature and a letter the picture represented josephine Beauharnais in winter outdoor dress the frame was odd and unusual it was made of pale gold with an imperial eagle at the top on its inner side a circle of tiny pale crystal points like icicles surrounded the painting it was not altogether attractive THE ONLY REASON FOR IT WAS POSSIBLY THE SUITABILITY OF THESE ICICLES TO THE WINTER GARMENTS WORN BY THE EMPRESS. MUELLER LAID DOWN THE PICTURE AGAIN, AND TOOK THE LETTER WHICH EVA HANDED HIM. MY DEAR EVA, I HOPE THE POSSESSION OF THIS PICTURE WHICH I HAVE ALWAYS ADMIRED FOR YOUR SAKE WILL PLEASE YOU. PLEASE ACCEPT IT WITH THIS SCARF WHICH WAS ONCE WORN BY THE EMPRESS. AS YOU SEE, I HAVE NOT YET FORGOTTEN THOSE YEARS OF OUR YOUTH WHICH BROUGHT US TOGETHER it was your wish that we should both remain alone. Was it right? I have forgiven. Your Leopold. Mueller handed the letter back silently. As Eva laid it into the box again, a tear fell unnoticed upon the paper. May I come back again if I have anything of importance to tell you? asked the detective. Both women assented eagerly. He left them bearing with him the impression that he had just made the acquaintance of two unusual natures it was a compensation for the fact that his visit had, as he believed, brought him nothing that could be of value to him in his work. Mrs. Tunner had dinner ready for him when he returned. He told her that he had found Eva and that it was the right Eva. "'Did you know that Erlock possessed two valuable miniatures representing Napoleon and Josephine?' "'Yes, indeed. I know the pictures well. One of them is still in Mr. Erlock's cabinet.' "'I didn't notice it when I was there.' "'It's the picture of Napoleon.' Yes, it must be, for its companion has not been there for some months. No, I know that. When I noticed it was missing, I imagined it must have been in the package that Mr. Erlock sent to Miss Geringer. It was. She showed it to me. They are charming pictures. I was admiring the picture of Napoleon a couple of days before Mr. Erlock's disappearance, continued Mrs. Tunner. We were working together at cleaning the various valuable curiosities in the glass cabinet in the sitting-room. I remember the picture particularly, and his speaking about it. Mueller nodded with friendly indifference, his thoughts elsewhere. "'Now, can you please tell me the names of all the visitors whom you have ever seen in Erlock's house?' he began. She was surprised at the question, but too sensible to waste words. She thought a moment and mentioned several names, all of which he wrote down in his book, after asking various questions about each. From what she told him, Mueller saw that Erlock had lived very quietly, and that few friends or acquaintances came to his house. He had heard this also from the missing man's nephew, from the gardener Till, and from Plone. Till had told him that Erlock's last visitor was the representative of an insurance company. The man had not entered the house, however, for Erlock spoke to him in the garden only for a few moments, and then Till had shown him out again. This was on the 6th of September. Mrs. Tunner, who had been indoors at the time, knew nothing of this last visitor the latest person to enter the house before the disappearance as far as she knew was dr Maximov. the russian had been there on the second or third of september in the afternoon and had played chess with mr Erlock. the following day Erlock returned the visit and spent the afternoon at rose cottage end of chapter nine